Hey guys, Dylan here, producer of the Ecommerce Alley podcast. Now, before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a special offer that we are giving all of our podcast listeners. If you scroll down below this episode in the show notes, you'll find a link to a special podcast listener deal on our scientific e-commerce Facebook ads testing course. Now, normally this is $27, but we're going to give you a special link to grab it for only 10 And included with that is a 30-minute ads expert call where we help answer your questions and implement the content. Thank you very much for being a valued listener to our podcast. And now, on to this episode. This episode that you're about to watch is a super special episode to me um, because I got to bring on Jared Oliva, who is actually one of our, he's one of our clients. And I met Jared about two and a half months ago, and he owns a company called Moss Amigos. So think like Moss Balls Amigos. So Moss Amigos. And these little, it's a really unique, cool product. You have these little Moss Balls and you put, uh, you can put different hats on them and accessories and they float in a jar of water with gemstones. And so Jared has an unbelievable story where he calls himself a former tech bro turned moss ball farmer. And so Jared from starting in flea markets where he would go and set up and spend eight hours a day just to sell a couple of them to the point where he finally, uh, he finally decided to go all in on his business, take a massive cut in salary, leaving the entire software world. And, uh, he goes through outbound trying to find retail stores, which was a dead end, to hiring an agency, being burned by spending $10,000 on an agency, to finally deciding he's going to figure out marketing himself and advertising himself. And since doing that, his business has grown tremendously to the point where his marketing no longer became the bottleneck. He was printing so many customers through his advertising in his email that he broke his fulfillment and he broke all his all of his inventory and fulfillment bottleneck. That's his new bottleneck. And so uh, if, if you listen to this episode, I promise you're going to get some really good stuff out of this. So enjoy this with Jared Oliva. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Um, how are things going for you? Things are going, things are going well. Uh, I think it's always, it's always a point in time, right? How you're doing. Um, so this summer we learned how to do our ads properly. And so we were kind of riding high there and we, we optimized, but then we hit the bottleneck of our hero product, Mas Amigos being sold out in the beginning Mm. of October. And, you know, this is not the first time we had been sold out. Um, but I just remember the last time we did pre-sale, it was a little bit of a customer support disaster. Um, and so I didn't want to do it this cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I saw revenue kind of coming down, um, I was like, you know what? We have to do this. <laughs> so we put it back on All pre-sale right. and now we're, we're back on top again or kind of, kind of back to where we were. Um, and now we have a customer support person who can handle like, the one-offs like I didn't read the five things that said it was pre-sale and this is a birthday present and this is an emergency, you know, and that's, (laughs) you know, we will accommodate you as best we can at that point. Yeah, no, that's the, Hey, um, that's interesting. We got to talk about that, by the way. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. We're going to circle back to that. Um, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Hey man, I would, let's just dive in. Um, so we've known each other for a whole, like, Two and a half months. Uh, it hasn't been a crazy three yeah, months. We go way back. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been a super long time. So, walk me through. Uh, I found this on the web. 
Hold on a second. <laughs> Siri wants to jump Siri, in. Siri thought something else. <laughs> okay. So we go way back, like a whole two and a half ish months, maybe three months. Um, but what I love is I, I love that your, your bio says former tech bro turned moss ball farmer. Uh, so, so you got to take me back. How in the world you own moss amigos now? How did you even yes. get there? So tech bro for, turned moss ball farmer. So I am. Third generation Silicon Valley. I'm based in San Jose. Uh, my grandfather worked for IBM. My dad worked for HP. And then I kind of started in the startup scene. Uh, a lot of Series A companies where I started out, I was a junior salesperson and I worked my way up to enterprise sales. Hmm. But I wasn't really like, I think in the company when you play an individual contributor role, you see some strategic issues and sometimes you're just going to get grinded and you don't really have yeah. too much agency there. And so I just felt kind of like, oh, I wish I had an outlet for you know my higher aspirations. And so it kind of started off as a goofy hobby. Um, I founded Mas Amigos with my partner. And basically what it was, is, was that it was like a plant that I had discovered when I was in Japan. I mean, they had been using it for years. Oh, actually... I have a picture here. Before you I was, um, this is me teaching English in Japan, teaching Japanese kids about um, how to pronounce things and the best things about America. Um, <clears throat> so when I was in Japan for two years, I discovered this plant that they use called Marimo. And it's kind of just like this novelty plant that they put in jars. Um, this species isn't only uh, exclusive to Japan. It grows in other parts of the world. Um, actually, in a has been found to grow in the United States as well. Um, but I told my fiance about that and he was just like, Marimo, like, but he actually didn't say it. <laughs> and he's just like, he just couldn't say it. And I was like, we were talking about like, Oh, what would we call it uh, for Californians? You know? And we we're like, we, we came up with the name Mas Amigos. I am a oh, prolific yeah. shark tank watcher. Um, so I bought, you know, I buy their books and I read their books and I, Lori's book. Um, I forgot the title of it now, I think, um, but it had really specific tactical information about building most for your product. And so it was like, a patent cost $50,000 for her at the time. And that was crazy expensive. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not patenting anything. But the trademark, trademarks are so valuable and for brands. And I think we've kind of, I think in tech a lot, they de-emphasize brand, but brand is so important. Um, so I trademarked the Mas Amigos brand in 2018. And then we started doing it at flea markets. Uh, we'd wake up at 6 a.m. Wow. <laughs> after working or after partying like the night before. And we'd be like, we'd just show up with our coffees, smiling. And we'd get like two or three sales for the day after working eight hours. Um, <laughs> pay um, off. But, man. <laughs> yeah, pay off. Yeah. So that's how it started. Um, yeah, that's kind of how, how we got going and how we learned, you know, over time, who was our buyer? What is the script? And what do people, how do people find value in it? Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, what point though? So like you, you start going to flea markets, you're bringing coffee. You sell like three of these things a day. Um, yes. uh, sounds like a lot of time, which, which by the way, can we pause really fast? Can you explain to yeah. everyone what is Mas Amigos? Cause I know what it is. Yes. Like obviously I say it, it's the coolest thing ever, yes. but explain it. So Mas Amigos is the original pet plant. Uh, they're basically moss balls in gemstone homes and jars, uh, joy in a jar, if you will. Uh, they come in 
four different life cycle stages. You have the Nino, the Rico, the Chico, and the Amigo. So all the way from baby to adulthood. Um, they make great home decor for your dorm room, your library, or your office. Um, just anywhere you want to add a little little sparkle of life. <laughs> so that's, that's what the Moss Amigos is in a nutshell. Uh, they're, they're so cool. Everyone go to mossamigos.com. Go check it out. They're really neat. Um, so you, okay. So you're going to flea markets. At what point are, do you realize like, okay, I'm an, I'm, I've been a, a tech bro for a while here. We're trying this. This has some, some legs. Well, no legs. I know it floats in the water, but you know, it has some moss. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you decide yes. like this has traction? Cause selling two to three a day would probably be depleting, uh, to me. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it was, and it was, it, it, it's not a linear journey. I think so 2018, we were doing the flea market thing and we had our ups and downs, but it, it just felt like it wasn't going anywhere. Then 2019, um, January, we set up our little flea market booth and it was the worst. And you know, Californians are a little wimpy here, but it was really the worst like rain windstorm ever. And our table and our canopy like flew into the air, all the moss. Amigos like shattered on the ground and it was raining and it was miserable. Obviously we didn't even sell anything. And so oh I, we goodness. took a break for a year, actually. It was, it was really demoralizing. Um, but I kept it on the side and I kept the website. You know, there was times where I was like, Oh, am I going to like shut down the website? Cause it's just like, you know, we got like barely any traffic <clears throat> and I decided, no, I'm going to keep going. Um, and I got us into a, a boba shop nearby. These are like, um, like a milk tea kind of drink. Um, and I got us on the shelves there. And then I had, uh, gone to like an enterprise sales role and I was at another startup and it just didn't work out. And so I got like go there and it was mm. totally fine. Um, even though I sold a lot. So anyway, so, um, they, um, if you can so sell moss like, balls, I, man, <laughs> you can right. sell whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. API is so much more fun. <laughs> Not really. Um, but anyway, so I was sitting on, I was sitting on, um, the couch and I was just like, ah, okay, I should like, what can I do with Mas Amigos? And I had gotten an ad for fair marketplace, you know, get mm-hmm. your product in fair. And so we yeah. had built a social media following from doing the flea market and just our friends and family. And then I had proof that we were in a shop, like we were already in, we had type of a wholesale presence. And so I put Mas Amigos on fair wholesale. And then from there, we got like 10 orders because we were like mm. one of the only plant stores on there. And so that, so the 10 stores ordered and then they posted pictures and videos of like, you guys will never guess what we have in the shop, this. And so that kind of gave me a boost, kind of like lit a little bit more fire into me. And then <clears throat> that was 2019. And then, you know what happened in March 2020? The mm-hmm. pandemic happened. And so, Everyone was at home and our product started going. Um, I don't know if there was just like a rush on social media, but like we were just getting so much more notoriety on social media. And then I had created a comic book series called Masi Amigo Mondays. And this one comic of Masi getting rescued, you know, well, I mean, he, he got adopted and he has a nice, and he got a nice office. That comic has like, I think it definitely has over. 20,000 likes on it now, but that had gone, that was one of my first posts that ever went viral on social media. And I was like, Oh, social media marketing. Like that's, that's a thing, you know, and this is something I need to tap into. 
Hmm. Um, because I was just used to enterprise sales where it's just like one off these big, big deals. Um, and so I hadn't, and I, so I hadn't sit in like a marketing, a marketing consciousness. <laughs> so I started investing more in our Instagram and I just didn't know really what I was doing. And so like, I'm only, I'm so, I, I'm so basic. Like I was just in the Instagram app and I was like, okay, this post did well compared to my other organic posts. So boost. <laughs> so I just boosted like two posts, uh, over the over two years, um, and just built it built up our following, but it also had you know, and I didn't even know at this time that this concept of return on ad spend. But these two posts that I just boosted built our following up, and then also had a return on a positive return on ad spend. So we went from that year, I think we started at twelve thousand followers, and then in eighteen months we got to fifty thousand followers, um, hmm. and. In parallel, a lot of stores were seeing us and they were like, oh yeah, Masamigos, Masamigos, Masamigos. And we started getting into all these plant stores. Um, and it wasn't until I put a hat, <laughs> I put the hat on the Masamigo and I walked over to a horse ranch by my house, um, which is like pretty, one of the last, I think, horse ranches in Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, I walked over there and I put the moss ball there and I took a picture and people just went bananas. Um, and yeah, so I was just coasting off of these uh, boosted posts and that's kind of what carried the brand uh, wow. to where it was. And then in Q4 of 2023, you know, Moss Amigos was doing, you know, fairly well. And I wasn't, I kind of wanted to do it full time, but you know, my tech job was good. Um, and I didn't want to leave until I was like, until we do like double profit of my tech job, I don't want to leave, but you know, the universe has different plans for you. And so in Q4 of 2023, me and my partner, we both got laid off. Um, wow. and so using our, you know, our severance, uh, and half and cutting my salary, actually more, <laughs> more than in half, I decided to do Moss Amigos full time. Uh, in 2023. So Hmm. Q4 is when I got laid off. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. You, (laughs) I think, and you know, this running your own company, you, the experience you get, the mental models that you're exposed to versus, you know, doing a singular career, which is fine. If you, if people who want to do that, and I think that's an awesome life and you can make a lot of money doing that as well. I think though, like the, the stuff and the trials and the tribulations, like I just love, the personal growth mm. and the journey of it. Um, yeah. I think there are times where I'm at like, I'm at Coachella and my bank account is low and my friends who are also tech bros are like, yeah, let's do this now. And I'm like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It's a, there's a, so Kevin Hart does a whole, a whole, a whole bit on that about like professional athletes. And he's like, when he would hang out with them, they would just spend money on everything. So he always came up with the, <laughs> gotcha. the story about how all his money, he's like, all my money is my savings account. And it's not my checking. It takes three to five business days to transfer. So that's why I can't go hang out with you guys. Cause I got to transfer from. <laughs> that's right. Wow. That's okay. So, that. <laughs> so you got let go like Q4 2023. So you're, you're laid off. Your salary is cut in half. You go all in on Masamigos. You and I meet, meet, july 2023 so like up yes. till then what 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 kind of happened that first half year seven months eight months that you were riding solo hey thanks for checking out the e-commerce alley podcast if you've been enjoying this episode so far it would mean a ton to us if you leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to And as a token of our appreciation, if you take a screenshot of your review and email it to team at the ecommercealley.com, 
we're just gonna go ahead and shoot you a $10 Amazon gift card just as a thank you. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, so um, yeah, uh, got laid off before 2022. And then t- the first six months of 2023, I would call it the uh, H1 of uh, trials. <laughs> so I had come from an enterprise sales background. I was like, okay, we're going to do an enterprise. We're going to do a sales motion, a B2B sales motion for Masamigo. So I hired an SDR. We had a team prospecting the 30,000 plant stores across the United States. And I was just going to go this route. And then also I liked it because, you know, LTV and recurring revenue from these plant stores is uh, stable from a business valuation standpoint. And that mm-hmm. I grew up in that atmosphere, right? Yeah. Um, Which by the way, real fast, so I was just, SDR, yeah. SDR, I want to explain that to everybody so they know what that is. Yeah. So SDR, it's just a fancy name for junior salesperson. So sales development representative. Yeah. And basically, I know. And then the actual salesperson is called an account executive, but they're just the actual yeah. salesperson. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, fancy names. Or like BDR. I know it'll change. Yeah. Depending oh, yeah, on BDR. That's right. BDR. <laughs> BDR, business development rep. Yeah. Um, there's like, there's just this like mindset. It's like, you don't let people know you're selling, which is true to a degree, you know, but it's fine. Anyway, so a junior salesperson, an SDR for your listeners, especially in tech or in any industry, the junior salesperson does cold calling and outreach to either book appointments or sell small ticket deals. Um, and it's a very grueling job and it's a lot of um, cold calling and it's a lot of rejection. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's a tough gig. And I had, I had, I majored in history. So I wasn't, I didn't have a immediately vocational um, learning to apply to, you know, business or the economy in general. Um, so I started out as an SDR slamming the phone, you know, sending them mm. like hundreds of emails um, and so I hired an SDR and I had been a relatively successful SDR in the past. And so I trained her, um, and we went go to market and we, I think when you, when you try something, you should try it for 90 days. Um, and so I hired her around February and then she was fully onboarded by March. And so from March to June, we tried the B2B motion for the plant stores. And I learned a lot about retail sales in that time. Mm. Um, so I think there was, so it was, uh, it was objectively a failure. Um, and so we decided to ultimately pull back from that strategy. What had happened was like, did you get any stores that said, yeah, yeah, but it was like five out of a thousand and that's not, we're not doing that. (laughs) That's we will get there when I'm 250 years old. (laughs) So it was, it was not gonna, I didn't think it was, yeah, it just wasn't going to work out, but we did get like five to 10 stores out of a thousand though, which was a lot. And we did a lot. We did cold calling and then we did direct mail then cold calling. So for example, we would send a packet or we would send a, a mailer, a catalog to a store and we'd email and call nothing. And we're like, Hey, we're sending you a special offer in the mail about our pet plant, Masamigos. And they're like, pet plant. What, what's that? And then I'd be like, Oh, okay. You know, and they would get the thing and then it'd be like, okay, did you get the catalog? It's like, Oh, I actually threw it away. And it's just like, Oh no. And then, you know, you try to pitch it that way. And then just since the product is relatively unique and not, and doesn't have a ton of education and notoriety here, people mm-hmm. don't have a con a concept of Mossball. Like what is Mossball in the nursery, florist, plant boutique, uh, you know, const- er, it, it, um, perspective. They're like, what's a Mossball? Mossball. And some of these florists out in the country too, 
the way they purchase is still so old fashioned. A lot of florists in the United States, especially if they're like a 1-800 syndicate or whatever, they buy their flowers through the flower man. He comes once a month and they pick from the flower catalog and they have these preset hmm. arrangements and that's how they buy. Wow. And these nurseries, they do trade shows. That's how they buy. The plant boutiques, they're a little bit more hip with it. And, you know, they know about these uh, digital wholesale platforms, but their unit economics are, they are struggling. Plant stores are, that's a very, very, plant boutique is a very, very tough business. You know, you know, it, it's good for your neighborhood. It makes your neighborhood look good and trendy, but it's tough to operate. The margins are bad. And also how many people buy plants all the time. Um, it's pretty tough, but nurseries are solid. They're usually families who own these nurseries. And so they own the land that the nursery is on. So they have a huge plot of retail and they can usually have unit economics with scale to compete against Home Depot. So they're a more solid business. And then a good florist with a good network are, are also very solid. Um, <clears throat> the florist in Florida are doing very well uh, because it's a geriatric population. And so mm, they have a lot yeah. of uh, funeral, <laughs> funeral business. Um, so it is interesting, the, the plant world in, in the United States, there is 20 to 30,000 uh, plant retailers in the United States. And so we're just trying to get into at least like two to 5,000. Right now we're only in 650, but, you know, trying to keep, keep on keeping on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, so you do it. It's kind of like you say 90 days is a good benchmark. It doesn't do as hot as you want. What what'd you kind of move into after that? Then did you start saying, okay, I need to figure out like this marketing advertising. Like when did you start to get into that? The direct to consumer. That's right. So, you know, you give yourself 90 days, but at 60 days, you start to sweat. You're just like, this is not working. I'm wasting my time, True. <laughs> you know, and I'm wasting my SDRs time too. Um, and so, you know, I kept, we just tried going deeper into that strategy. So like incorporating the direct mail. And then I was approached by a TikTok agency on Twitter or X or however you want to call it. And, yeah. um, so I was, I worked with this agency and they're like, Oh, we worked with Sephora and we worked with all these other brands. And, you know, we saw these results crazy and we went viral. And I was like, okay, cool. That's what I need right now. Um, and I need to pump out my D to C part of my business again, I need to reinvest back into that. Um, and so I had brought on this agency, excuse me. And, um, it was, it was promising initially. They had all these, uh, uh, the structure on how they find the right influencers and they have these templates of these trends. And it just felt like going through their motion. It was like, Oh yeah, maybe this is right. And I had, uh, put a lot of it on them you know, to do. And I kind of just had an editorial it, for me, it was on the editorial side. So I was just kind of like waiting around for this agency to finish cooking the videos. And when I got the videos, I just was like astonished with the lack of uh, preparation that these UGC micro influencers did and how much uh, the agency did to direct and produce and coach these influencers where like the product, the, the, the videos they would produce were just so beyond the scope of how we even sell. Like, for example, we sent them a pack of all the Mosmigos of the different sizes. The videos were like a jar, not even a Mosmigo jar and all the Moss balls all together, just like shaking around in a vase. And I was just like, yeah, that's like not, um, that's very creative, but that's like not how we sell or market our product or how people buy it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so it was, it was pretty bad. And it's just, just the lack, the lack of preparation. I think, um, just like a random trivia fact about me. Um, 
I was on a Netflix show, 13 Reasons Why, as like uh, one of the high schoolers in the background because I was interested what? in acting. That's uh, pretty cool. Years ago. Um, and it just is like, I think if you're going to produce, if you're going to be a model or you're going to be an actor, you really need to prepare. And even if you're just a micro UGC influencer, if you want to be a big influencer one day, you still need to go, I think, through the preparation. You need to research the brand. You need to figure out what is the vibe here and then figure out where within yourself you can promote this product authentically. And so, mm. like, you know, a lot of these people were like not really doing the work here. And so it was just not a fit. I think I, I think I may do the strategy again in the future, but do it in house. Um, so I had wasted $10,000, um, on that agency. I, our sales were not like, we we're just breaking even. We we're just like playing around breaking even the whole time. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like not working. And I am like, I'm getting super frustrated here. Um, and then I discovered e-commerce alley on Facebook and I saw, uh, Josh Coffey's um, videos, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" And um, I like, I went through the, I went through the Facebook page, and then I was like, "Oh, it's a course!" And it just kind of sparked something within me where it's like, I'm still so early in my the marketing side of my career where I really don't have solid marketing skills in certain regards, especially with advertising. Um, and with social media advertising. And so when I saw the course and the kind of the outline of it, I was like, okay, I think it's, I think I need to invest in me because either Mas Amigos continues to go down and crashes and I walk away with some skills here or it just goes down and crashes and I walk away with just learning how to waste money, you know? So hmm. that, that are, are, are hiring and outsourcing things that are not successful. And that does happen in Silicon Valley a lot. You have a lot of, um, unprofitable companies, but what they do is, at least before, um, is that they would just hire. They would just hire a bunch of engineers, hire a bunch of salespeople, and the numbers wouldn't really make sense, but they would use that as a leading growth indicator for the investors. And they'd be like, look at it, we're growing, come buy us, you know? And so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had to unlearn so many, you know, bad business habits, uh, from that, but yeah, that's mm. kind of, where I was at. And I think if you're a business owner, you really need to invest in your own skills first. You need to really, uh, learn like you definitely need to learn sales. Number one, just if you had to learn anything, you should learn how to sell your thing. And then I think the next thing that's really important, if you want to, if you're just a solopreneur, learn advertising, like that's so important. Hmm. Yeah. So you were, so going from like, Outbound, cold prospecting, SDR, B2B, trying to get in the retail retail side of it, to hiring an agency, which by the way is a pretty common trip. Most people go to the agency before they finally decide I gotta get my skills up. So you went to the agency, spent 10 grand. Uh, it didn't go how you wanted it to. Um, we met, yay, which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, you invested in your, so beforehand, your marketing sounds like was primarily social and you did a little bit of TikTok with some influencers, maybe helping with that creation. What is your, what does your marketing look like now? Like what kind of marketing activities are you doing since, and, and to pause real quick, if anyone's listening, the program that Jared is part of and what we get to work to, with him on, it, it's called the Max Profits Mentorship. It's where like we have training, we have a course component, we do coaching, we have coaching sessions four days a week, we have a, we have a community and events and it's pretty cool. So that's what Jared's in, but um, what does your marketing look like now? Yeah, so 
I, so my marketing now, uh, number one is we have emails. So, you know, when you land on a website and an email comes up, I did not do that for the first three years of the company just because I thought that was so annoying. And I, and for me, like email is not like a thing. And I actually have heard other companies and other founders say that, but what they also say is that a large part of your audience does love email and they love these little deals and they love like hunting around or they love just like the te- the check-ins from your brand. So just do email. And the people who don't like email, they're just going to click the X. That's it. So <laughs> I set up a huge, or I set up a lot of email triggers um, to capture additional demand or people who aren't sure yet, at least they have like a little discount if they want to come back. So I set that up and then we set up a bunch of uh, experiments on meta for different audiences with assets that I had discovered years ago that kind of worked already mm-hmm. and some other new assets. And we put them all uh, in an ad lab and we deployed that out and we found out a couple audiences and assets that were basically printing us money at this point. Um, it They found buyers who really loved our product and kind of got them um, to pause and click uh, either on Instagram or Facebook. And so my marketing kind of transformed into not having emails or strategic ad, a strategic ad strategy to now we have emails, uh, a basic email, <clears throat> uh, system. And then we also are running ads way more strategically. So I mm-hmm. have like five profitable audiences that we run ads to. My return on ad spend right now, uh, in the past seven days, I think is above four, um, because we cut, we cut ad spend a lot, but, um, <clears throat> it, it helped us kind of dial in on the really profitable segments there. Um, and so now I'm kind of, I, I got my feet wet for the first two months and I've kind of figured it out. And oh my gosh, we went from less than 15,000 in July to, over 50,000 in September because of just having a strategic ad strategy in place <laughs> or yeah. an, ad, an ad strategy in place in general, just before I was just running for promoted posts. Well, and, um, and also like you, you didn't spend a whole lot on ads on Facebook almost at all before we met. Did you, you weren't spending, no, that's a, correct. I just primarily boosting. <laughs> Yeah, I was just boosting on Instagram. I went on the Meta Ads Manager once, I think, in like 2019, and I just was like, "This is so complicated," and I got scared. <laughs> I just yeah. like I was just like, I was like, maybe not scared. Yeah, scared or not scared, but just like, this is too much work, uh, and I'm not learning this. So your business yeah. more than tripled. Facebook ads and email were the two big pushes in there. What would you say email revenue percentage wise is right now for you? Uh, between ten to fifteen percent. For just doing the like the base flows that you should yeah. set up, like every e-commerce store should really have these base flows, and I think there's a bunch of email agencies from like you know young young men in Australia coming in, being like, "We're gonna you know set up your flows." And I, yeah, I think if you're a founder, <laughs> learn what these flows are yourself and go build them out yourself because it's it's not huge, but I think uh, right now it's ten to fifteen percent. But I'm actually hoping to increase that. Hopefully, we want to build out like kind of a life cycle email matrix, uh, with our, uh, pet plants. Cause it's basically, you know, you have your Mas Amigo and it, it grows linearly from like Nino, Rico, Chico, and Amigo. But then also people are collecting Moss families, 
Um, that's and amazing. So they have like an, yeah. <laughs> and so I hope one day we, uh, we get our super users and they have little moss villages, you know, yeah. I, I I love it. It's really amazing. You know, it's really cool because I, I've gotten to see uh, your growth, Jared, and obviously you've done so much work in developing your product and and, and really fi- refining that. And the fact that you, you found and put a hat on it, like that's just, it's so cool. If <laughs> yeah. anyone doesn't, it wants a visual, you have to go to mossamigos.com, buy one, check it out. Um, but emails come in 10 to 15%. You're working on getting that up. But before I remember you posted it on our community, it was like, Barely, it was only a few hundred bucks a month. I thought it was like a few percent. It was a really small amount until you finally started leaning into email. Yes, yeah, it was virtually non-existent before, and just doing that little bit just gave me that much more mm. revenue, top line revenue. And also another thing that was this is a funny thing, and I think you know entrepreneurs go through this. Like, I see so many entrepreneurs, and they don't pay for the domain name, and so they're like their name myshopify.com, you know, and like for me, similarly with email, I was like, I didn't want to pay the $150 to like just have the basic Clavio instance. And I was like, Oh my God, you pay the $150 guys and you make $5,000 if you have it and you set up your clothes and you do, you know, you do the work. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, if you're kind of like over the edge, just know, like, just do it. And then also at the end of the day, you learn how to be a really good, decent email marketer and you can beat the agents, the little, the basic agency guys coming out to you. So you yeah, know, just do it. So <laughs> you, you, you had some pretty big growth in a small period of a small window. What, what was like the biggest challenge? So in doing that, usually this is pretty common when there's like this hyper growth, like this fast growth within like two, three small windows, usually there becomes bottlenecks, it becomes challenges. What's the, like, what do you think the biggest challenges you've come up against in doing that? Oh man, the biggest challenge was definitely, um, and since we are a bootstrap company, we're very capital constrained was inventory. Like we, only had inventory at a certain amount. And also, and also we had very poor uh, inventory forecasting before. Now it's much better um, after we listened to your podcast on a previous episode. Um, so we've gotten that kind of fixed. But I broke my store basically in September by just pushing the metal and seeing how fast we could go. And um, so the bottleneck shifted from how do I generate sales to like, how do I keep my store in stock? Um, mm. and so that, that, that is definitely one bottleneck. And then I think another is just the labor aspect of it, especially if you're not doing 3PL. Um, so our product is a plant and it's made of glass. So it's, it's, it's actually, I would say it's almost, it's, it's not profitable to 3PL this product. Um, and it's better just to have it in house. Um, but that also gives us a very strong moat. Um, and it's hard to compete with us in that regard. Um, so in our warehouse, we have, mastered packing and shipping out glass and plants uh, Hmm. for our product. Um, But at the same time, it's kind of tricky with the labor situation. So if you have a surge in sales, you need to have the labor, the people power to, you know, (laughs) fulfill that. And so I had a bottleneck in October or September. I just was like, we had not enough labor. And so October, I had a labor bottleneck. Like I needed to find more warehouse staff and I'm located in Silicon Valley where like minimum wage is starting at $17.50 and $18. So I had to, you know, we've dialed in our process where the unit economics is still very profitable for us, but it's hiring the good talent. Um, And if you're like a multinational, like, you know, they're hiring their employees at early or like the low $20 an hour, like the target is at 21. The Walmart is at 
also 21, $22 an hour for, you know, this level of uh, general labor skill. So it's kind of tough. So I put an ad out on Craigslist to find some people and I was getting, um, unfortunately some people who had some criminal backgrounds and I was like, you know, I, you know, I believe, you know, maybe you, you, I, I believe in redemption, but like not for my small business. Like I can't put that, put the chance on me here. <laughs> um, so like, you know, so that was, that was one aspect. So I was getting a lot of people and I would just Google their name and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you did that. Um, okay. Maybe not here. And then, or I was getting Gen Z candidates who are not the best Gen Z candidates and they just, you know, Gen Z, uh, you know, you and I are millennials. I feel like we're a very, li- we were a very literate generation. Like we had Harry Potter and we read Hunger Games. Like we would read <laughs> and it was something we did for fun. Um, and then this generation, they missed, you know, two years of school at a very impressionable time in their development. And on top of that, they don't read. And so like now they're entering the workforce and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like what is going on here? Like, <laughs> wow. Like, Oh my gosh. I don't send emails to them more than like 150 characters because, um, it just, you know, it, 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 it it's not, it's You're not tweeting them. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah, that's right. I tweeting or texting. Um, and so I, I, you know, I've tweaked my process and I've set my expectations and we've now overcome the labor issue. And I found some really great Gen Z candidates who mm-hmm. just have a really good attitude and, you know, they're, they're, they're happy and they're to do their first job and work in a chill warehouse environment away from retail. I, uh, it's, I, I will say, so I, if you don't follow Jared, you need to go follow him on Instagram. Um, and I will say it's been fun to watch that journey of finding people. It's, it's, in, it's always intriguing. Like I I'm familiar with, you know, finding good labor, really talented people that want to put their heart and hearts into it and not just like skate by or don't really care is pretty hard. Um, but I'll say yeah. like, it's a great problem to have, you know, like just, you, you remember what it was like when it was just you and you're doing like three moss ball sales on an eight hour weekend. You know what I mean? Like where you're setting up yes. and tearing down and nothing's happening. And, uh, and so, what Jared experienced is, is is actually it was interesting. You you experienced two bottlenecks. So we look at it as three phases, and I teach us in the MPM and like the million dollar foundations. The first bottleneck that most people and most people listening right now probably have is marketing, right? Getting enough customers in the gates to allow you to grow how you want. Once you really crack paid advertising, that's the key. It's the most predictable. Once you crack it, like Jared said, you you like get this license to print money. Like when you put in $1 and you make out $4 or $3.12 and after your cogs, you're profitable. Well, then marketing no longer becomes a bottleneck. And usually the second bottleneck is is uh, production or inventory. And then the third is usually delivery fulfillment. And so you broke both at the same time. Like you've, you figured out, and it's kind of fun, right? You figured out the yeah. marketing, which is usually you got you to gotta find that ad or two. And it's hard to believe anyone listening, like you find one or two ads. And Jared goes from like not spending anything to spending five figures on Facebook in a single month. And right. um, then you, you, you get this license to print money. And then marketing is getting customers is no longer the bottleneck. Now we ran out of lids. We ran out of little hats for the moss balls, you know, or you, you run out of, you have a production or an inventory issue, but you actually had that happen and you had the fulfillment from the labor side. Like, so you had, you had both, which I love. It's just a big puzzle. And like, the first thing is I want marketing to like 
I just want volume because volume exposes weakness and it forces you to become better. And like you said, like your mental models, like they have to start to shift and they have to change to grow to the next level. So you cracked marketing and you, the volume exposed weakness in your forecasting and in your labor and maybe some of your systems and your hiring processes and when you should do it. And now you're to this point where you're now a better entrepreneur. Like, man, you're going into, well, we're recording this in October, but like, I can't imagine what your Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Christmas are going to be like. This is the most giftable product out there. Like, it's so giftable. Thank you. Um, we're super so, excited. <laughs> do you have, and, 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 and hopefully you have the inventory at least coming in, or you have some of that it's flying in. Flow. <laughs> well, oh, you, oh it's, she had it's, to air freight it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, if it's okay, Jared, I, I, I do have some questions for you. Um, yeah. First, how ballpark, how many moss balls do you think you've sold? <laughs> oh man. Um, let me see. I think, you know, I have it on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, really? Okay. But I would say, yeah, I would say about, mm, Oh, you know what? Counting Nino's. It's a lot. <laughs> My, the little is skew. Um, I would say about like twenty to thirty thousand. Man, I've never seen anyone else sell that many moss balls. So so far, you're the moss ball kingpin yeah. in my mind. Um, that's we why are. I feel like you need a little chart that flips with the amount of moss balls you guys until you sell a million moss balls. Um, yes. But any, I'd love for you to just for anyone who's listening, like, what advice you give someone that like they're listening to this, they're they're maybe they're they're stuck. And they feel like it's not taken off. Maybe they've hired an agency. They've been burned by an agency. They're trying to figure out what to do next. Like what advice do you give to someone who is where you were like June, May, like those months, July? Yeah. I would say, first of all, the most important thing for your business. And I think what, you know, will contribute to the social good of why you're why you're running your enterprise is profit you need to have profit in your business and the activities mm. you do need to contribute to profit i think sometimes we get lost in the artifice of a project that we're doing like oh like i'm like i remember one time i spent like a long time producing like a tiktok video and i was like oh this tiktok video is so cool because i'm doing this and that on it and it didn't really generate you know revenue or profit you know for that activity but i was like Oh, but I put so much time and effort in that. And I told all my friends I was doing that. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really not, it really was not the important thing to do at that time. So I would say if you're in that position where things are slow or you're feeling a little bit discouraged, maybe you were putting your effort in not profit generating activities, you know, ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you don't know that you're you, maybe like an agency, like you, you get the agency and you think it'll be a profit generating activity and you, and you find out it's not that's okay. That's how you learn. And I think you just need to view the trajectory of your life as like constant learning and not like, Oh, one day I'm going to be so rich and I'm going to have all this passive income and I'm just going to sit on a beach and I'm just going to drink a martini. No, like that's not that people <laughs> like that, that, you know, that could happen, you know, sure that could happen. But if you're trying to manifest in that direction, it's not, you're not going to get it's, that's not the way to get there. <laughs> you need to produce abundance, I believe at least. I think you need to produce abundance and then the rewards are a byproduct of that. And you'll be a different person too once you do that as well. And maybe, you know, you'll go to the beach every once in a while, but that's not going to be your only thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Um have you ever read Profit First, by the way? No, I have not. 
Really? Okay. The way you're talking about profit, it sounds, I, it, it's my favorite book on finance for business. It's called Profit First. It sounds like you had, you had read it based on that, but I'm on the same page with that. I think that so often we get caught up in like the gross numbers and that's what everyone flaunts around too. All the, all the 28 or 23 year olds that sit on their rented Lamborghinis. Um, oh, all yeah. the bro, all the bro <laughs> marketers, man. Um, well, th- so three rapid fire questions for you. Number yeah. one, what is your, what, what's your number one source of new customer acquisition right now? Right now it is Facebook. So right now it's Facebook. Um, we'll see, we'll see where it goes in the next few months. Um, we're going to experiment with TikTok and Pinterest. Heck yeah. What's the most impactful book you've read or one of them? Oh yeah. Oh, that's a great one. I love zero to one, uh, by Peter Thiel. I thought that is an amazing book. Not only if you're an entrepreneur, but if you're someone who, you know, loves this country and society more broadly. All right. And finally, what's your favorite marketing tool? My favorite marketing tool. Ooh, that's a great question. Well, right now it's Meta Ads Manager. <laughs> that's my favorite one because <laughs> it makes me the most money. <laughs> Those are my favorite tools too. The ones that make the most money, that have the leverage. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, Jared, thank you for coming on. Um, I... If you guys have want to watch an inspiring entrepreneur who has just so much like life and personality, you need to go follow Jared on, go follow him on Instagram. We're going to include the links to his stuff. Um, but that said, Jared, thank you for joining me. Um, everyone, you've been listening to the e-commerce alley podcast produced by Dylan counts. Jared and I are grateful that you tuned in, you watched, or you listened with us. And if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review, drop a comment below, uh, with something that maybe you learned if you're watching on YouTube and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, it's Josh. Thanks for listening to the audio version of the e-commerce alley. Did you know that we actually have an amazing set in high quality video production that gets posted on YouTube every single week? If you've never watched the e-commerce alley on YouTube, you have to go to alleypodcast.com slash YouTube to check it out. Once again, thank you for listening to this podcast and we hope you enjoy this episode.